fellow captains and welcome back to rank amateur today in rank amateur we will be going with another listener request which is going to be the german tier 8 non-premium heavy cruiser the admiral hipper so uh yeah this is a look gonna be kind of a continuation of one of our previous episodes where we were uh going over the york and a continuation of our general german theme however i will tell you that i have a bunch of french ships in the lineup uh after this one uh so it should get a little bit interesting there uh, but first, let's go through the news. I know it's been a while since I've uploaded, but I'm finally done with final exams for college, so we're going to get some good updates for the podcast in the near future here. First, uh, the major news, well, I guess the only major news that's really occurred in the last couple weeks has been uh, update 12.11, and this is the last update of 2023, and this is the usual holiday update, and of course we have the Santa gift containers, the daily login rewards, the the special performance bonuses for... um, having a battle over 300 xp in every ship so for tier uh this is tier 5 and above so tier 5 gets you 700 coal tier 6 gets you 750 coal tier 7 gets you 800 coal tier 8 gets you 70 steel which is 700 coal uh and then tier 9 gets you 80 steel which is equivalent to 800 coal if you choose to convert it uh and then tier 10 gets you the best gift of all which is a certificate and five of these are festive certificates five of these festive certificates will get you a uh santa's mega gift container like the big guy that costs five dollars so essentially each of those gift certificate or festive certificates uh, will get you essentially a dollar worth of stuff. Now, you can trade them in for 375,000 credits. Don't do that. It's not worth it. Just get a Sanders gift container. It's one festive certificate. Three festive certificate, certificate excuse me, is a Santa's big gift container. Now, the uh, you can get 20 of these to get a special flag, like a limited edition flag container. Uh, however, I wouldn't recommend doing that, because for 20 of those certificates, you can get four Santa's mega gift containers, which are going to be a lot more valuable. Now, I'm not generally a fan of Santa's gift containers, but um, the Santa's gift containers are another deal. They're loaded with good stuff um they have a high drop rate of uh, decent things even they they sometimes drop camos they sometimes do i, th- I think the most common thing i've gotten drops from my containers has been credits which is always useful um but yeah they're they're probably the one container throughout the course of the year that i actually think is worth buying now i'm at to the point in my world of warships experience where there's not really any ships out there that i like really want like yes there'd be some that are nice to have but there's not any one where like i see it and i'm like i want that like i'm gonna go out of my way and buy that so now kind of what i've done is i look at it like hey i'm gonna spend I don't know, like maybe 20, I haven't bought any containers this year, but if I'm going to buy some, it's going to be like, hey, I'm going to spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. I'm going to buy 10 containers and I'm going to see what I get. 
and then maybe I'll get some good stuff, maybe I'll get some bad stuff, and then I just kind of want to see what I get, because I don't really want anything in particular, but I kind of want something to treat myself with, you know, after a hard semester of college and everything. So that's kind of what I look at the Santa gift containers at, and I think that's a pretty good way to look at it, because there's a lot of people that's like, I want this ship, and they will buy containers until they get that and spend hundreds of dollars. That's not at all the way to do it. That never works. We know gambling, the house always wins. So, you know, that that's how World of Warships makes their money. You can drop 140 bucks and get some things, get nothing, I don't know. Uh, but you have to look at, like, hey, I need some flags, I need some credits, I need some camos, I wouldn't mind a ship or two. That's And then, yeah, th then I would say go ahead and buy those containers. But you just... Word of warning, guys, don't go at it looking you want something specific. Just look at it as, hey, I kind of want some stuff, don't really know what I want, so maybe I'll just let the game decide what I get. Um, of course, there's uh, obviously events um, in uh, the, the New Year update. They're calling it the Holidays in Santa City, um, uh, which actually I should go over that after I go to um, through the rest of the Santa containers uh, news. So they basically changed it so that they've removed 43 older ships that most people have and added 19 new ones to make it uh, easier for you to obtain newer ships versus older ships that have been out for a while and maybe ones you don't actually want because you would have purchased them already, uh, which I think is kind of a... Um, interesting thing they all the removed ships are available in the armory now for direct purchase so if you did actually want to get that one out of sanders gift container you can just go buy that from the armory which is which is cool um holidays in santa city actually you know i wonder if that if all this if they remove some special ones and put them in the armory i'd have to go check that later it's holidays in santa city anyways what i was actually trying to get to so holidays in santa city is an event that you get and basically you just there's four different objectives you can complete and they they were repeat themselves so basically it's like i don't know get like 2000 xp or something like that and it's uh and then you would progress up that it's kind of like the battle pass basically except it's easier and so you are rewarded with shorenhorst 43 which is basically just shorenhorst with a speed boost um at level 10 which is really easy to get i mean i've, I've just casually played over the last couple days and i think i'm like two levels away from it so a couple another week or so casual play and i'll be able to get it and i believe it's available till um the end of the updates i think um yeah so and if you complete the whole thing for each additional level after all the rewards you've earned uh you will get a santa's gift uh a one festive certificate for each um, time you complete i think it's like 50 uh more objectives um, so yeah, you can obtain, if you really play, you can obtain a lot of gift certificates. And they also, of course, they have a premium side where it gets you some rewards, but they're not like super worth it. There's a lot of levels where it's just a certificate and it's 3,500 doubloons for the premium brand. So I guess, I don't know, that's what, like 10 bucks. I don't know. It, it may be worth it. I don't think it's super worth it, but you know, if you have some cash, you want to throw at the game. Uh, it, that is the only way to get the stored 43, which is a different version of the stored. It's tier seven versus tier six in the tech tree. Uh, it looks like a load of crap, just so you know. Uh, I haven't. Had, I looked at it briefly. The torpedoes do like 7,000 damage. The guns seem anemic, and uh, it's kind of it's it's decently fast. I don't think I don't think it has a smoke screen. I have to double check, but it doesn't seem anything that's super great so i guess yeah you can get a tier 7 ship for 3500 doubloons but it doesn't seem like a great uh it doesn't seem like a great uh deal um 
so uh, the Fjords port has once again been transformed into the Santa City, and uh, apparently there's a way where you can select the original Fjords port as well, in case you're a sad sack and don't want the Christmas version of it, but, you know, I suppose the music could get annoying for some people. Um, I'm a little disappointed that it's the same one. Granted, Santa City is really cool, but, like, come on, you couldn't have made, like, a different port that has the Christmas stuff? Because every year they've shifted where it was a different port, and this is the only one that I've seen where it's two years in a row, and it doesn't seem like they've really changed anything. So I guess I hope they're working on something good for Lunar New Year's port or something like that. Uh, salvage for victory. Uh, if you feel like scamming yourself, um, uh, and buying... Okay, so basically you can convert your resources, like coal, steel and balloons and stuff, and you can spend it on getting up to 100 stages. Um, yeah, up to 100 stages worth of stuff that's going to be essentially exclusive to this event. They said Kitakami's not going to be sold for at least two years, uh, and the special like New Year camouflage that she has is going to be exclusive to this event. Um, same with all the other camouflages that go with the ships, like the Tier um, 10 uh, it was a British cruiser defense, which is just another super cruiser. Um, and all these other ships won't be distributed for at least another year. So you got the tier six, um, looks like a, it, it's an Italian cruiser, but it's actually in Greek service, the Ellie. And then the tier seven F, uh, was it F for Chico? F for Chico? I don't know what the, the first name of that is. All right. Frances Francesco, uh, for, for, for Chico. Or for Chio, I think. It's just another Italian light cruiser. And then the uh, Defense, which is a 356mm main gun armed. Uh, essentially, it's a Nelson, but it's a cruiser. And then you have the Kitakami, which needs no introduction. Um, so yeah, Kitakami is interesting because it has like sequential reloading torpedoes. So one launcher reloads, and then another launcher reloads, and then another launcher reloads. Which is probably the only way to balance the ship, but it does take five minutes to reload your torpedoes. From dumping a whole salvo to dumping a whole other salvo. And it's got absolutely horrific armor. Although it does have a smoke screen, so it's, it's annoying, but it's definitely not the broken Kitakami that we got like a couple of years ago. Which it's not surprising uh there's another dockyard you can build an italian ship it's italian secondary ship uh it's cruiser tier 9 cruiser there's i've heard some of my friends saying it's gonna be like the best secondary cruiser in the game so i guess if you're into that but it's got a really weird turret arrangement it's it's a lot like um what is it the duncan and the um saint vincent where it's got like a weird turret in the center um so yeah there's that if you want to spend your whole Christmas break grinding a dockyard. God, I remember when I ground the um, DZP dockyard, I paid the minimum amount for it, and that was literally like a month of just straight grinding co-op. It was absolutely miserable. Uh, you can earn the Japanese, uh, new Japanese battleships in Tech Tree now. Uh, they removed airship escort from random battles. Uh, there's asymmetric battles now. The armory has some new stuff. Uh, there's a uh, new... Italian battleship with huge guns, got 457, <laughs> 457 sap, oh my god, that's gonna delete cruisers. I haven't really seen it, it's the, it's the, uh, the Ruggiero de Loria, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a big Italian battleship that looks basically like an American battleship in Italian colors, uh, so there's that, there's the Piemont, the, uh, or, yeah, Piemonte, which is the um, Italian supercruiser, is now in the tech tree. You can get YouTube memberships. Brawls is back. Uh, there's some balance changes. 
Uh, they buffed Renown, Udachi, Malvaro, Burn, Alvaro de Brazan. Uh, actually, they nerfed Burn. Alvaro de Brazan has been buffed. Edratico has been buffed. Basically, just reload buffs for all of these and some damage buffs as well. Uh, Malboro actually had her fire chance increased from 24 to 28%, which is kind of weird because they don't generally adjust dockyard ships or uh, reward ships um, after the fact. Actually, no, dock it was a dockyard ship, right? I forget. That was such a long time ago. Uh, gameplay improvements, uh, basically, um, oh yeah, so they've, they've, uh, updated the signals that they affect the upcoming, uh, second American carrier aircraft line, so essentially the smokescreen does affect them, uh, or smokescreen buff does affect them, so you can, you can buff how long the smokescreen lasts, well, lasts, they've adjusted commander skill recommendations, they've added other stuff, like, uh, New camouflages for Yoshino, Alaska, Georgia, Lightning, Al Shori, and Mas and Huga. Which is weird because two of those ships you can't even buy anymore, so I don't know why they're adding camouflages for a ship you can't buy. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then there's some other game balance improvements, so there's that. That's the that's the news for World of Warships, as usual, loving the uh, Christmas, Christmas events. Christmas is one of the best times in World of Warships, they really do... A nice job with it, so that's good to see. Um, you know, the Santa gift containers seem pretty much as good as ever. Uh, I <laughs> logged into the game first day of Christmas break from college and uh, got my three Santa's gift containers. Opened the third one, got Lazo, so that was nice. Was a 1% chance of getting a ship off a normal one. So that was pretty cool. I uh, haven't gotten the ship since, but Lazo is a laser, so... There's that. Uh, literally, you can sit, Lazo can sit at 20 kilometers with a rapid takeoff spotter and reliably hit, I wouldn't say destroyers, but you can reliably hit light cruisers. It's absolutely mind-boggling how accurate it is and how fast the shell's in 950 meters per second velocity, so that's pretty great. But, let's get into the naval history section of this episode on the Admiral Hipper. So, with the Admiral Hipper, there is a large amount of history, since it did actually well, sort of survived the war, um, there, there's a large amount of history on it, and uh, some of it's a little bit too detailed. So we're going to kind of uh, gloss over it just a little bit, um, because it is fairly extensive and I don't want to be here for three hours. Guests probably don't want to listen for three hours. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some things that are omitted, and I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, information on it if there is something that you wish to pursue further. Anyways... Let's get into the basic specifications of the ship. So it was laid down on 6th of July, 1935, launched on the 6th of February, 1937, commissioned on the 29th of April, 1939, just before the outbreak of World War II. So it had a normal displacement of 16,170 tons, or 15,910 long tons. At full load, this was 18,500 tons. The Admiral Hipper was 202.8 meters, or 665 feet 4 inches uh, long overall. Uh, the beam was 21.3 meters, or 69 feet 11 inches, so a very long, very narrow ship, definitely built for more of a top speed uh, versus a more maneuverable design, definitely more efficient design. Uh, 
So she had a maximum draft of 7.2 meters or 24 feet. Installed power consists of uh, 132,000 shaft horsepower, and the propulsion mechanism used three Balleman Voss steam turbines which drove three shafts. The maximum speed was a pretty standard 32 knots. The complement included 42 officers and 1,340 enlisted crew members. She was armed with eight 203 millimeter or 8 inch guns, 12. Uh, 105mm SKC C slash 33 guns, 1237mm SKC slash 30 guns, 8 20mm uh, guns, and they're also the C slash 30s. Um, I believe that's 30 caliber. Uh, and she also had 12 533mm torpedo tubes, which is kind of a standard size. Uh, she was armored with 70 to 80 millimeters of armor on her deck and 20 to 50 mil or on the belt and 20 to 50 millimeters on the deck. The turret faces had 105 millimeters of armor. She was able to carry three Arado AR-196 uh, catapult aircraft. I believe they were spotter planes, and uh, she had one amidships catapult to launch these and used cranes for retrieval. And the context to the construction of the Admiral Hyperclass was the uh, signing of the Anglo-German Naval Agreement, which basically uh, Britain and uh, Germany uh, agreed that Germany should be allowed to surpass its uh, 1919 Treaty of Versailles uh, naval limitation. This was part five of the Treaty of Versailles. And uh, build up to 35% of the tonnage of uh, the that the Royal Navy had. So if... The Royal Navy had 100,000 tons of ships. Uh, the German Navy should be able to build 35,000 tons of ships. And we know that the Royal Navy had much more than 100,000 tons, but that was basically the the premise of it. And uh, they made this treaty without consulting the French or Italian governments. And uh, yeah, so that made a lot of people mad. Although the British hoped that it... Um, would limit uh, German expansionism because they kind of, well, it was appeasement. They thought that by giving them a little bit, they would be able to uh, kind of control the expansionism. And the Germans thought it was a great uh, beginning in, in sort of like an Anglo-German alliance against the French and the Soviet Union. However, these differing expectations caused the ultimate faltering of the treaty and uh, caused Hitler to just ignore it in 1938 when they started building huge ships like the Bismarck and planning on building even larger ships like, well, I guess what would have become like the H-class battleships such as like Grosse Kerferst and stuff like that as we see in, in World of Warships. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, I guess Britain told, or no, Germany told Britain that they were building five 10,000 long ton, quote, treaty cruisers. Um... The Admiral Hippers were these treaty cruisers. There was going to be five of them. There were supposed to be five of them. Um, however, they, uh, they there were a lot more than that. You can see there are about 16,000 long tons. A whole 6,000 tons more. It's about uh, four Fletcher-class destroyers more than its specified limit, uh, which is obviously kind of typical of the German government at that time. So onto the actual history of the ship. Admiral Hipper did take part in the German invasion of Norway, in which case uh, two interesting things happened. While steaming through a uh, Norwegian fjord, she sighted the uh, HMS Glowworm, which mistake, uh, mistook her for a British ship and approached her range, though essentially suicide, before the uh, German, open, uh, German cruiser opened fire on it and uh, caused severe damage. Uh, realizing their grave mistake, the uh, 
British destroyer attempted to escape, but realized it was hopeless, then turned back and started uh, firing spreads of torpedoes at the uh, Hipper. Unfortunately, those missed, and uh, the Hipper then hit the glowworm in the rudder, and this sent it onto a collision course with the Hipper, and uh, the glowworm essentially rammed it at full speed and caused pretty severe damage to the uh, Hipper's looks like starboard side, uh, destroying the starboard torpedo launcher and ripping off like 120 feet of armored belt section. Um, however, the Hipper was able to continue, and the boilers on the glowworm did explode and cause it to sink. However, it did send a signal to uh, Royal Navy headquarters saying that there's, you know, Germans in Norway. And um, HMS Renown was dispatched to investigate, but um, uh, unfortunately uh, could not catch up to the Admiral Hipper. Uh, so they were also sighted again by a short Sunderland. And uh, when this was uh, realized by the Germans, they launched an Arado 196 to attempt to intercept. Uh, however, they, this didn't actually happen. Because of uh, poor weather, the uh, 196 was actually not able to, uh, land back on the Hipper, or actually, uh, be recovered by the Hipper, so it was forced to land, essentially, in Norway, and, uh, the crew attempted to purchase fuel from the locals, but they were detained and handed over to local police. The Arado was captured by the Royal Norwegian Navy Air Service, and, uh, painted in Norwegian colors, used by the Norwegians until the 18th of April, when it was evacuated to Britain for further use, which is kind of interesting. And the uh, the Hipper then essentially attempted to escape uh, after dropping off her troops, attempted to escape back to Germany, managed to kind of disguise herself as a British warship and fooled the Norwegian uh, batteries, uh, shore batteries, before uh, or for long enough that she could escape into a squall and back to Germany with the Gneisenau and the Schornhorst. Later on in Operation Juno, the uh, German high command deduced that the uh, British base at Hartstad in northern Norway was being evacuated by the British, and thus they sent a, a con convoy, essentially, or a fleet, to uh, attempt to intercept the evacuation convoy, and this consisted of several destroyers and the Admiral Hipper, and the plan was to attack the British base uh, and its convoy, uh, but they had issues locating the um, evacuation convoy. They did find a small force. It was consistent of an oiler and an escorting trawler, HMS Juniper. Uh, the Admiral Hipper sank the Juniper with gunfire, and the oil tanker was sank with the accompanying Gneisenau, which had joined the fleet. Uh, Admiral Hipper did encounter and sink another empty troop ship, but they were unable to actually locate the convoy that was evacuating the space, and so they returned to Trondheim, uh, which is a different Norwegian base. Um, Shorthorst and Eisenhower did continue uh, on and found the British aircraft carrier HMS Glorious and Ardent and Acasta, which were both destroyers, and they sank all three, uh, all three British warships, but unfortunately Shorthorst was severely damaged by a torpedo hit, so they did return to base. Some uninteresting commerce rating uh, occurred after this, although there was one interesting part in that the uh, fuel oil feed system of the Admiral Hipper did catch fire at one point, and this rendered the ship essentially motionless for several hours in the middle of the North Atlantic um, while they got the blaze under control and did some temporary repairs to bring the system back online. However, uh, British reconnaissance did fail to locate the ship, which at that point would have been an easy target for pretty much anything. But um, they failed to locate it, and so the uh, Admiral Hipper did return safely to Hamburg's port. After repairs were completed, she attempted to break out into the Atlantic again under the cover of a gale, which she did actually manage to succeed in. However, poor weather in the Atlantic, which was concealing her location, also concealed the location of any convoys that she was attempting to 
Uh, fine. She launched seaplanes several times in an attempt to locate convoys to fire upon, but uh, one of the seaplanes went missing, and uh, they generally failed to locate any convoy. Uh, after this, she went down to uh, between the, in the shipping lanes between the United Kingdom and West Africa, notably between the Azores Islands and Spain, and mostly failed to locate pretty much anything to shoot at. However, on the 24th of December, I believe this is, uh, it looks like 1940, um, the Admiral Hipper detected a convoy, which was the convoy WS-5 Alpha, 700 nautical miles west of Cape Finisterre, which is in Spain. Uh, she shadowed the convoy until, or throughout the night with her radar, or at the attention to attack on, at dawn. And during the night, she did detect a large escort ship, and, uh, Failed to attack it. Uh, she did attempt to launch three torpedoes, but it didn't actually hit anything. Um, this was not a regular merchant convoy, though, like they were intending to attack, but it was actually a heavily escorted troop ship convoy consisting of about 20 ships. Five of the 20 ships were uh, allocated to Operation Excess, which is the um, some of the supply convoys to the British uh, stronghold at Malta. Um, and it was protected by... a the county class heavy cruiser Berwick, the Dido class heavy cruiser, or no, light cruiser, excuse me, Bonaventure, and the Dene class light cruiser HMS Dunden? Dunden? Dunden, that's a weird name. Uh, the aircraft carriers Furious and Argus were also part of the convoy, however, they were more of the ships being escorted because they were transporting tons of crated aircraft and didn't actually have any combat aircraft ready. Uh, so the Admiral Hipper attacked in the morning and was surprised to get shot back at by a heavy cruiser. And the torpedo attack on the Berwick failed, but uh, she did manage to damage the Empire Trooper, which was a transport ship, and lightly damaged the freighter Arabstan. Uh, before uh, spotting more ships steaming towards her, and they believed that these ships were actually British destroyers preparing for a torpedo attack and attempted to quickly withdraw, and using used their main guns to sort of set up a screen for herself. Uh, the Berwick reappeared off the Admiral Hipper's port bow ten minutes later, and then was fired upon with several salvos from the rear turrets. However, the uh, there were scored hits on the. British cruiser's rear turrets, the waterline, and the forward superstructure, with the Admiral Hipper disengaging shortly after in hopes of preventing these British destroyers, which weren't actually destroyers, uh, from closing in to launch a torpedo attack. Uh, running low on fuel, she returned to occupied France uh, for some minor repairs and refueling. In early 1941, the Admiral Hipper uh, returned to the uh, West Africa station in hopes of being able to uh, disrupt the merchant shipping down there enough to pull some heavy units away from the Denmark Strait, allowing some uh, German heavy units to get through the Denmark Strait out into the Atlantic. Uh, this didn't, didn't really work in the way that the Germans thought it would work, but it kind of worked. Uh, British Force H had sortied from the Gibraltar deep into the Mediterranean to Bontenbar and La Spezia uh, in Italy. And uh, this Force H consisted of much of the British heavy units in the area. So learning about this was great because it meant that there was kind of no one coming or no one to escort these uh, convoys between uh, important ports that the British held or were using. So the uh, Hipper went on a killing spree, first starting with a English ship Iceland, which was straggling behind his convoy, uh, picked up another convoy later that day, which contained 19 ships. This was um, Sierra Lima Sierra 64. And so this convoy contained 19 ships, was completely unescorted. So they attacked the convoy, posed this British cruiser close to about three kilometers away from uh, these ships, and uh, 
yeah, uh, fired with prejudice, more or less, and uh, sank at minimum seven, but as much as as many as 14 of them. And remember, there's only 19 ships in the convoy, uh, fearing that British ships or, or aircraft would hear about this and attempt to stop them, they broke off the attack, but uh, was largely considered successful. They think about between 32,000 and 79,000 tons of cargo was, uh, or of ships were sunk that day, which is a pretty successful raid for the Germans. After this raid, the uh, Admiral Hipper returned to Germany. It was a little bit uh, hairy getting back to Germany because of the constant harassment, uh, or potential for harassment by the British. However, they did manage to escape into Germany without ever being detected through careful planning by the Germans, uh, and managed to uh, dock back in Kiel for a seven-month overhaul. Uh, noticing that these raids were successful but dominated by the need to refuel, larger fuel tanks were fitted uh, to the Hipper, increasing her capacity from 3,050 cubic meters to 3,700 cubic meters. And this was partially done by removing most of the hangar uh, on board the Hipper, which allowed it to go from having just uh, or having two uh, airplanes with folded wings, which proved to be sort of hard to handle, it, especially in rough seas, uh, to just one air uh, aircraft with not folded wings. So it'd be easier to handle and could accommodate more fuel tanks and uh, actually some more f uh, food storage as well. Uh, she was also degaussed, which is essentially when they wrap the ship in coils and electrify it to eliminate the, or elim eliminate or reduce the magnetic field of the ship's hull, which allows it to um, sometimes pass through mines without actually detonating magnetic, or specifically magnetic mines, uh, which use the the passing ship's metal magnetic field to detect and detonate. Um, so this was. Kind of a new technology at the time, the hopes of uh, saving uh, ships from being mined all the time, which, as we've heard in this podcast, was a major problem. However, the situation by the time that she had actually uh, come out of Dry Dock in the North Atlantic had changed rapidly. Um, British Air Reconnaissance, which was constantly running now, and advancements in radar technology, which had occurred in just the past seven months, meant that it was um, not feasible to continue the Atlantic raiding uh, sort of mission. So most of the German surface ships were stationed in Norway to deter against an Allied invasion in Norway, uh, which was uh, essentially providing Germany with a lot of its needed steel and other resources, and to attack Arctic convoys to Russia in hopes of slowing the Russian war machine. Now, we know that this was... Um, not going to plan out the way the Germans, or go out the way the Germans thought it was, but this was the best strategic move they could make with the circumstances that they had. The Admiral Hipper reached in Norway in early 1942, around March, and uh, basically stayed there for several months because the uh, operations of the battleship Turpids had depleted the already very low German fuel supply, which prevented... Uh, basically any operations other than destroyers for the next several months. So um, the story of the Admiral Hipper gets kind of boring from uh, for a little while here. From then on till about December 1942, the fuel stocks kind of varied, and it was a lot of, oh, we're going to go attack these convoys. Oh, there's a lot of big ships defending them. They're big and scary. I don't want to go. And that was basically that. They would go out to attack a convoy with all their brass balls and everything like that, and then the... Uh, Ships like a Duke of York, USS Washington, or HMS Victorious would show up, and they'd be like, well, we don't actually really want to attack them that bad, and then they'd steam back to Bergen, <laughs> and then just sit there, and rot away. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, that, that was basically the German life until December 1942, and the Battle of the Barrett Sea came around. 
Basically, what happened is there was a convoy in the Barrett Sea, and the Germans, cruisers, uh, Admiral Hipper and Lutzow, and six destroyers went to attack it. And they were under orders if there was a superior force that they were to, or equal or superior force, they were to break off the attack and leave, essentially. So they sighted this convoy and saw only destroyers there. And I'm like, okay, well, we have cruisers, so we win where we should win. So they attacked. Uh, the Admiral Hipper and three destroyers went north to uh, attempt to pull, or essentially distract the escorts, attempt to pull them off the convoy. And Lutso and three other destroyers went south to attack the actual convoy. The British sent most of their escorts towards the Admiral Hipper, kind of taking bait, but they did cover, or leave two destroyers behind and cover the convoy in a very thick smokescreen. Uh, hearing that German warships had been sighted, their uh, British Force R, Admiral Robert, Robert Burnett's uh, Force R, which consisted of the cruisers Sheffield and Jamaica, which were both, uh, one was a, a Southampton class town, or Southampton subclass town class cruiser, uh, similar to HMS Belfast, and HMS Jamaica, which is a Fiji class cruiser, or Crown Colony class cruiser, uh, were standing by in distant support of the Allied convoy, and they essentially brought up to full power and raced to the scene. They immediately engaged the Admiral Hipper and fired, um, from the opposite side. So essentially, the Admiral Hipper was firing to port at the destroyer Obedience, and uh, Burnett's ships came on the starboard side and started firing at the Hipper, and which achieved complete surprise. They, um, and the Hipper was th hit three times in short succession, damaged the ship's propulsion system, destroyed the number three boiler room by filling it with a mix of oil and water, and so the starboard engine had to be turned off, which reduced their speed to just 23 knots. Uh, two other hits started a fire in an aircraft hangar, and a single salvo um, at the cruisers was fired by the Admiral Hipper, uh, which straddled... Um, uh, before, which straddled the Sheffield, and uh, escorting destroyers of the Admiral Hipper began to generate smoke screens in effort to conceal the Admiral Hipper's movements, uh, which worked pretty well. Uh, she then emerged from the smoke screen and engaged the destroyer, the cruisers again, uh, straddling them again with rounds. Uh, then the Admiral, or the German Admiral Kuhn, Kuhnmans, uh ordered all the ships to break off, and mistakenly identifying the Sheffield as the Admiral Hipper, the destroyer Friedrich Eckholt approached too closely and was sunk by the cruiser. Oh, whoops. Uh, meanwhile, Lutso closed within three nautical miles of the convoy, but didn't actually open fire due to extremely poor visibility. Uh, she accidentally came close to Sheffield and Jamaica and exchanged fire with them, uh, although it was kind of ineffective on both sides. Neither side's really damaged too much. Um, German cruisers turned toward Lutso and came under fire from both uh, German cruisers. Admiral Hipper's firing was far more accurately and again straddled Sheffield, but didn't actually damage the cruiser. Uh, the British then withdrew because they were being fired at by 203mm guns and 283mm guns to their 150mm guns, so that was a little bit of an issue for them, although they did have more maneuverable ships. Uh, both sides essentially just retreated uh, because uh, uh, Kunmin's was like, well, there's kind of a superior force here now because they have more ships than us, and they have not bigger ships, but a lot of them, so they broke off. Uh, the Germans sank the Minesweeper Bramble, uh, damaged destroyers uh, Onslow, Obedient, and Obdurate, and sunk the British destroyer Achetes, um, which was the destroyer that was laying the smokescreen for the convoy. Uh, the British sank the Friedrich Eckholt and damaged Admiral Hipper, which forced the Germans to abandon the attack of the convoy. Uh, this made Hitler a very not happy person, and he ordered that all the British Navy be dismantled 
uh, or paid off and dismantled. Uh, one of his admirals spoke to him and was like, yeah, that's probably not the best idea because that's like our only defense, our mar only maritime defense. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably not a great idea, but we're going to still kind of just keep him in dry dock. And that's basically what the hipper was. She spent most of her career uh, back in dry dock and uh, used for some shore bombardments, but... Uh, or was planned to be used for shore bombardments, but that never actually panned out. And just before the end of the war, on the 3rd of April, 1945, RAF bombers attacked the harbor that she was sitting in, and, uh, yeah, hit uh, Admiral Hipper pretty hard with bombs, damaged him severely, and, um, yeah, so Admiral Shear was uh, capsized, like cruiser Emden was hit, and uh, Admiral Hipper, like I said, was damaged by three bomb hits. Uh, she was scuttled by her crew later and sat in that harbor until, I think, 1946 when she was raised and then scrapped. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting beginning of the war, but, uh, as with most German warships, the end of the war wasn't as interesting as Germany slowly began to run out of resources and the threat was primarily from the land rather than the sea for the Germans. So that is all for the naval history section of this episode. We're going to move on to the World of Warships section of this episode. So, I don't actually have Admiral Hipper. I have played Admiral Hipper. I've played the Prince Eugen a couple times. I had it for a rental a little while. Didn't really decide I wanted to buy it, but I do know quite a bit about this ship, and I do have the mines, which is basically Admiral Hipper with more torpedoes and smaller guns, but more guns. So we'll uh, primarily play or look at it from a how to play against, but we will go over some how to play aspects of the ship as well. So first thing to know about the Admiral Hipper is she has, nominally, pretty good armor. Um, I say nominally good armor for a cruiser. However, uh, this armor is very trolly, uh, and I mean, it's kind of an abstract carnival of pain for pretty much everyone, because sometimes you will be fully broadside to a battleship that is armed with 457mm guns, and you'll ricochet their, their, uh, guns, or their gunfire from your turtleback and other various trolley parts of the armor and you'll receive basically no damage sometimes you'll be fully broadside to a des moines and get deleted from basically full health to basically no health or, or completely just deleted uh, from a ship that really shouldn't delete you in one hit or you'll be angled and you'll get deleted regardless because there's a small plate in the back that is just big enough to arm shells but isn't really big enough to ricochet shells and so they are uh, armed and go directly into your citadel so yes it is trolly you should not trust your armor uh armor angling kind of works in the hipper definitely better than going broadside but still wouldn't really trust your armor best bet is to avoid gunfire rather than being shot anyways I mean, obviously that's the case for everything, but your armor is really not reliable, even though uh, it may seem like it is from the uh, page in the uh, port if you go to the armor section. So her range, and this is uh, if you research and purchase all the, um, not the upgrades, but the uh, new modules. Uh, so you have the B-Hull and the mod to fire control, but you don't have anything else equipped or any commanders equipped. So... We have those 4x2, 203, 60 caliber SKC-34, LCU-34 mounted guns. They're going to have a range of 17.69 kilometers, a 180-degree turn time of pretty impressive 22.5 seconds, and a reload time of an absolutely disappointing 10.5 seconds. Your theoretical HEDPM for a Tier 8 cruiser is not great. 114,000 HEDPM and 269,000 APDPM, which is pretty good. The maximum full salvo of damage of your HE is about 20,000. AP is about 47,000, assuming citadels on all shells. Potential fires per minute, about 5.94 fires per minute. Uh, you have 2.0 Sigma. Maximum dispersion at, at max range is going to be 155 meters uh, horizontal and 93.4 meters vertical. 
Your turret angles, uh, they're not bad. They're not great, though. They're, yeah, they're kind of middle of the road. Anyways, so your HE shells are going to have 2,500 damage, which is decent. Um, and you're going to have a mass of 122 kilograms. The uh, splash radius is 101.7 meters, and the damage is 412 to, to submarines. Uh, initial shell velocity is an impressive 925 meters a second, so pretty flat shell heart. Uh, air drag coefficients, I don't think we really need to worry about that. Penetration is an impressive 51 millimeters of armor. Not quite enough for a Kremlin deck, but definitely enough to make most battleships cry. Fire chance per shell is 13%. Uh, uh, full salvo, about 67% chance. Uh, blast radius is 12.75 meters. We don't need to know that. Uh, yeah, oh man, there's. I'm looking at the Wild Ship Builder thing now, and there's all sorts of different charts and stuff that are kind of not really useful, but uh, definitely interesting to know. Onto the AP shells, uh, they're going to do 5,900 damage, which is decent. 122 kilogram mass, 50.7 uh, meter splash radius, 590 damage done to submarines. They're going to have that same 925 meter per second. Um, shell, initial shell velocity. As 203mm guns go, they'll overmatch about 34mm of armor, and they have your standard fuse timer of about not 0.033 seconds. She contains, or she contains, she mounts four three-tube torpedo launchers. They're 533mm torpedoes. Uh, the reload time is 68 seconds. Uh, there's a 3.6 degree or 12 degree spread, and they do about 164,000 damage for a full salvo. Uh, this means about 13,000 damage per torpedo. They have a, a 6 kilometer range. Uh, they will travel at um, 64 knots. They'll be detected at 1.3 kilometers away. And they have an arming distance of 172 meters. This gives you a reaction time about 2, or excuse me, not 2, 7.56 seconds. I never understood the flood chance here. It's 227%. Clearly that's subtracted by something in the game. Um, actually, it's the ship's uh, flood chance suppressor, which would be pretty large but yeah 277 percent chance of flooding uh secondary battery it does have those 105 millimeter uh uh guns uh they're not really useful though so i wouldn't really bother with them da is decent you're not really stopping many strikes but it'll definitely kind of annoy carriers i guess you have uh, asw depth charges obviously the concealment is not great 13.79 kilometers base it's not it's not horrific but it's kind of like french they're not they're not very stealthy german ships have never really been stealthy after firing a smoke, you'll be seen 8.49 kilometers away, and um, you'll be seen 7.18 kilometers away uh, from aircraft, 15.79 uh, kilometers away when on fire by sea, and 10.18 uh, when on fire by air. Maneuverability, you got your max speed, which is 32 knots. Uh, the max reverse speed is 12.9 knots. Running shift time is going to be uh, 15.02 seconds, which is awful. <laughs> Quite frankly, it is awful for a cruiser to have a 15-second rudder shift time. Although you do have a pretty decently tight turning circle radius at 740 meters. Uh, as far as HP is concerned, you have a decent 37,300 HP. Ideally, we like to see that around the 40,000 um, HP like um, threshold for a tier 8 cruiser, but 37,000 is workable. Uh, your max damage per fire is 3,500 or 3,357 hit points. Fire chance reduction is 33%. Uh, you have a 10% torpedo damage reduction, and each flood is going to do 3,730 HP of damage. Um, yeah, and it goes all over the HP of all the different ship parts and stuff, but uh, we don't really need to go over that. 
it's a little bit boring. But yeah, let's go over the uh, ship builds here. So first, you're going to start off with Main Armaments Mod 1. Then you're going to go to probably Engine Room Protection, I would say, because you really don't want to be immobilized in this ship. Then you're going to do uh, Aiming Systems Modification 1. And then you're going to do Rudder Shift, or Steering Gears Modification 1, because the Rudder Shift is absolutely horrific on this ship. Uh, and then you're going to do probably Concealment Systems. Okay, so in the fifth slot, you can either do concealment systems or rudder shift, depending on your play style. If you do rudder shift, you'll get your rudder, if you do the rudder shift modification, you'll get your rudder shift down to 7.21 seconds, which isn't great, but it's less terrible than it was before. Uh, if you do steering, or not steering, if you do the concealment, you'll get your concealment down to 12.41 uh, kilometers, and combine this with concealment experts. You could potentially get it down to just 11.17 kilometers. It's probably a good idea to do that, but uh, if you're kind of a more of a run and gun person, uh, you can do the steering gears modification too. Because this ship generally likes to stay at maximum range, I would not recommend going close range with this ship. Um, you could do steering gears modification too. Uh, for the sake of this video, we'll or video, this podcast, will probably stick to steering gears instead of doing concealment experts or concealment modifications. We will definitely be taking concealment expert. So first one you're going to take is gun feeder because you'll be switching ammo types in the ship like nobody's business. So you definitely need to take gun feeder. Definitely take priority target because people are going to want to shoot at you. Uh, then adrenaline rush and then concealment expert for your first 10 points. After that, uh, survivability experts, then you're going to take superintendent, and um, you could do RPF if you wanted to, uh, you could do top grade gunner, because your standard detectability range is quite large, but you don't really want to be in that standard detectability range. So with 16 points, um, you could do heavy AP shells, that would be very useful. Um, I don't really see pack-a-punch being useful. I have eight, or heavy aging sap shells is not really useful for this ship. You could take RPF, as I said before. Inertia fuse, definitely don't take that. That's no, There's no point in taking that. Um, uh, you could do consumables enhancements to just make your action time pretty crazy. On the hydroacoustic search, which does have a 6km range, by the way. It is that nice German's hydroacoustic search. You do get standard damage con. You do get a fighter consumable. You can mount defensive AA fire, but the hydroacoustic search is just so much better. It detects ships from 6 kilometers away and torpedoes from 4 kilometers away. As an action time, if you run consumable enhancements of 132 seconds, cooldown of just 120 and 4 charges. So uh, if you run superintendent. So full 21 point ship build, we're going to do gun feeder, priority target, superintendent, Concealment Expert, and this is kind of a similar thing that I run on my mines, although I do run Top Grade Gunner on my mines because I kind of like playing a little more risky, but this is a conservative shit build. Uh, survivability Experts, then we're going to do Heavy AP Shells, then we're going to do Adrenaline Rush, and then we're going to do Consumable Enhancements. And as far as signals are concerned, we're going to run Juliet Charlie, uh, Anti-Fire Flag, India Yankee, and then we're going to run Speed Flag because why not? Then we're going to run Consumable Flag, November Foxtrot, then Hydroacoustic Search Flag, and you can run a Ramming Flag if you want to, but that's pretty much it. You can actually, you know, run the Fire Flags too, the the Enhanced chan Fire Chance Flags, and you can also run Anti-Aircraft Flag if you want to, or the Ramming Flag for the final flag slot. The other ones aren't super useful, um, but yeah, 
those ones are definitely the ones you want to run because they will enhance your consumable action time and stuff. So you can actually get your, your hydroacoustic search to last 145.2 seconds and cool down just 114 seconds. So that's pretty nice. It's more like a two minute hydroacoustic search. Two minute 20 second, two minute 25 second um, hydroacoustic search. And this will get your concealment down to uh, 12.41 kilometers. Your rudder shift time is going to be down to, uh, let's see, where did that go? Uh, 7.21 seconds. Um, yeah, so 12.41 kilometers. And then your HP is going to be above 40,000, 40,900 hit points this time. So that's pretty decent. Uh, and it's going to reduce your fire. Uh, you're just going to do 2945 HP per fire. Now, and uh, 4090 HP per flood. And now that, that is increased. Uh, that is increased. Um, but that is because we have more hit points now. Uh, and that is pretty much it for the upgrades. Uh, it just it decreases your um, can, your dispersion. Where did the dispersion go? Still getting used to this UI. To 133.89 meters or 80.33 meters at maximum range. So the Hipper is it's an interesting ship. It's got a love-hate relationship. There's a lot of people who hate it. There's a lot of people who love it. Maybe less people will love it than people who hate it. It can be a challenging ship to play. It's got a huge superstructure. It falls victim to HE spam a lot, I will say that. Uh, the armor piercing is quite good, though. Uh, that reload time is really what kills it, though. Uh, the reload time is pretty pretty not great. It is 10.5 seconds, which you only have eight guns, so it gets kind of long. And the AP or the HE shells don't do a whole lot of damage. Only 2,500 damage for a 203. So just be aware of that. I would generally default to firing AP if you can, but if you're just getting tons of ricochets, then the, the HE works, because it does start quite, fires quite efficiently. Um, but yeah, don't expect uh, the HE to work miracles for you. This isn't a British, British warship. As far as shooting at this ship, um, the broadside's pretty vulnerable. Just know at close range, it does have a turtle back, so especially if you have cruiser guns or lower, um, or even just uh, super cruiser guns, you may not get a whole lot of damage on it because, uh, you will, I mean, you will get chunk damage, but you may not get a whole lot of damage, like, as far as citadel damage is concerned. Of course, the battleships tend to just overmatch that or, um, penetrate it regardless. Um, so that, that is something to be aware of. Uh, this ship does best at long range. Uh, generally not seen as a very good close range warship. I know it does have tons of torpedoes, and that's very tempting, but these are largely self-defense torpedoes. Uh, for something that does get kind of spicily close. Well, I actually noticed it, dis it de-equipped my, um, my modifications as far as the uh, actual uh, hulls concerned. So let's see. You actually have 47,000 hit points. Excuse me. 47,000 hit points. Uh, yeah, I, that was totally my goof up there. I didn't equip those. Uh, and the firing range goes up to 17.69. Okay, yeah. So it was just after I equipped my upgrades that those... Um, that the UI kind of glitched on me. But yeah, so you have a 4.41 second rudder shift time, which probably means you can go with the uh, concealment uh, modification instead of the rudder shift modification. Yes, because that will be a 7.3 second rudder shift time there. And then you can get your concealment down to 11.17 kilometers, which isn't as horrifically bad. It's right, right in range with some of the less stealthy cruisers, but not too like abysmal, like a lot of the Soviet things have. Um, your fire control your dispersion is pretty much identical yeah all right so that's pretty much the only thing that's changed here yeah so 
I would play it from long range. I wouldn't really get close to a caps. I wouldn't really get close to something. Now, I'm not saying go super far, like maximum, maximum range, although the ship doesn't perform super terribly at that range. Uh, generally, you want to stick between about 13 and maximum range. 13 kilometers and your maximum range. Generally, the best place to be. Uh, do make sure you are affecting uh, the objectives and things like that, supporting ships that should be targeted, targeting destroyers and things like that when they do pop up. Don't just farm battleships and do nothing. That's not good. That's not a good way to do it in uh, World of Warships, especially since farming destroyers gets you more XP because uh, XP earned by damage is done by percent of of the ship's health that you take. So if you do 20,000 damage to a battleship, it's going to be uh, significantly less XP than 20,000 damage to a destroyer, assuming the destroyer has 20,000 hit points because it's going to be a much larger proportion of that destroyer's uh, health pool. Health pool. Health pool. Anyways. Yeah, so it, like I said, as far as shooting at the ship, it's pretty vulnerable to everything except for torpedoes. Uh, armor piercing is the way to go, although it does have a massive superstructure if you can't get a good angle on it. The belt on the ship is pretty strong. Uh, when angled, unless you find a trolley spot, especially in the stern, uh, and I say trolley spot, it's the weird armor angles that the stern has, uh, tends to kind of troll the person playing it. The front is pretty strong. I believe it does have a... a um, icebreaker bow and um yeah so from the front the ship is pretty strong this especially angle is pretty strong the stern a little weaker sometimes there is a spot between the turrets where you can actually uh penetrate the deck um right next to the turret actually the turret barbette right next to the turret and go straight down to the citadel that very rarely happens but it can happen uh, it's usually the deck behind the rear turrets as in most german ships that tends to be the most vulnerable for their citadels um so yeah, as far as shooting at it's concerned, uh, it's pretty simple to play, though. You basically just sit at long range, um, kind of like a French ship, except uh, it does more damage with the... or it does more consistent damage with the high-explosive shells because of the enhanced penetration of them, but it's not going to do much damage on any one particular hit because of the low alpha of those high-explosive shells. It does eat broadsides for breakfast because the armor-piercing is very good on this ship, and it does have very good velocity, so it does retain penetration over distance pretty well, um, and these shells are decently heavy. Uh, they're they're 122 kilogram shells, so they, they do have um, some punch at range. Obviously, don't expect to be settling huge battleships at range, but it's definitely good. Now, if you know, towards the end game, obviously you're gonna approach closer. Um, saving your hydroacoustic search for the end of the game is pretty useful, especially when, say, a destroyer smokes up in front of you, you can light them up with the hydroacoustic search and send them back to port. Um, I have seen people play these aggressively. It does kind of work. You just have to know it's hard to get out of situations because there is a 32 knot top speed, no speed boost, right? So kind of slow, not super slow, but definitely not getting out of situations fast. It is a pretty vulnerable broadside, and it's a very, very large ship. Very large for only having eight 203s. So you just have to remember that you can play closer. It does have a lot of torpedoes. It does have decent secondaries for a cruiser, but not really ones you're going to use too much. Um, yeah, it, like I said, does work, especially with hydro. You do have to be careful though. So I recommend for most players tend to stay at longer range unless you really know what you're doing. And if you actually know what you're doing, you should know when to push and when not to push. But like I said, generally longer range is the way to go with this ship. So that is going to be the end of today's episode. I promise this will probably, well, actually I don't promise, but this should be the end of the Germans' um, ships for a little while. Uh, we have another Soviet ship, the Lazo in the lineup, because I just got that one. 
And we also do have a, co a couple friendships coming up because I am continuing my march to the Marseille. And the reason why I'm going to the Marseille and people are going to be upset, well, it's less historical. Well, it's actually not because every the last historical ship in the French cruiser line is the Tier 7, uh, which is the Alcherie, which is the last one in the single line before it splits. And the, all the other ships after that are completely fake. Well, maybe not completely, but the... Um, the cruisers in the Marseille line are actually pretty much battleships that were designed as part of the Dunkirk study. So we can go over that once we get to those ships, but I'm currently sitting at Algerie, and hopefully I'll get Marseille by uh, January or so, depending on how often I get to play World of Warships. It may be sooner than that. But So that's what's going to be coming up in the next couple episodes. If you do have suggestions, um, please feel free to email me, rankingamateurpodcast at gmail.com. I am probably not going to follow them, just so you know, for the next little bit. I will definitely put them in my queue, but don't expect that episode to come out anytime soon. Uh, but it will come out eventually. Anyways, that's it for today. And until next time, Captains... Captains... <laughs>